Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome to the latest Gators Online podcast. Zach Albaverde, Nick Del Torre coming to you live from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. And it is game week, folks. Nick's got his on three gear ready to go. He's got his credential oh, after a delay. I was worried about that. I brought and I brought your your AirPods. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, I left my AirPods at SC Media today, so it's been a while without them. Um, so long s- that you've gotten some new ones. I've seen Zach 20, 20, 30 times since SC Media days. Just got them today though, but they're they're back in my possession, so no complaints. Yeah, lost and found. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we we're gonna find out about this Florida football team on Saturday. Top ten matchup in the swamp, or should I say, a top ten team? Coming to town and number seven Utah, and uh, we got to hear this week from obviously the players and coaches for Florida, but also uh, Utah coach Kyle Whittingham, who said uh, a number of uh, interesting things about the Gators uh, previewing this matchup. Also, I didn't realize that he and Billy Napier had faced off before. Um, Napier was just an offensive coordinator at the time, but but still uh, back in 2017, you had him in Arizona State going up against. Um, Whittingham and Utah, and that was in Salt Lake City, and the Sun Devils put it on. Utah got that work. Yeah, man, 30 to 10, over 200 yards rushing. I think it was it was like 12 plays that they had of 10 yards or more on the ground. Um, so I, Florida fans were happy to hear about that story this week because they were like, Billy did that and didn't even have AR. So I think that maybe you know gave some fans some confidence, but um, you know, Kyle had some great things to say 
about Billy um, and vice versa. Billy had, uh, you know, said that he really kind of admires the brand of football that Utah plays. And I think that for Florida, we've heard, Nick, all throughout training camp that this was physical. Like they hit more than they've ever hit before. There was an emphasis on tackling. I think they needed to do that just in terms of improving as a team. But I also think that some of that um, was designed with this game in mind. You know, you had to get tough for week one. It's also year one, and you're trying to establish a culture. You're trying to to, to change a culture and establish your team philosophy, your team identity. Um, like Kyle Whittingham, he's been there 18 years. He Florida's had five coaches in the time that Kyle Kyle Whittingham replaced Urban Meyer at Utah, and Florida's had Meyer, McElwain, Mullen, Muschamp, and finally broke the M streak with, with <laughs> Napier. Um, so. That's they didn't do a lot of hitting in 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 their pro in their program this year. Uh, why you have seventeen guys coming back? You're a veteran team. Hey, we got a bunch of older seniors, juniors. We don't need to be banging on each other. Um, that's not where Florida is right now. Yeah. You're a first year program. You're trying to establish an identity and a toughness. Plus, you had um, tackling issues last year. That uh, too. You had, you had issues, a lot of issues, but tackling uh, a chief among them for sure. Um, so there were a lot of things for for Napier to correct. Um, but yeah, two definitely different approaches from Utah and Florida. It'll be interesting to see uh, Utah's offensive line, defensive line. Are they ready to hit? Because you haven't yeah. been doing much of that. And we talk all the time now, the way the rules have changed uh, with tackling and concussion and safety protocol, yeah. that that leads a lot of a lot of teams to have tackling issues early in the season because you're not tackling live. You're sure, not taking sure. guys to the ground. So I'll be interested to see. I thought that was something that caught my attention was that Utah really hadn't done a lot of uh, full contact 11 on 11. And does that cause them to start slow? Can Florida get off to, to a lead? And, and then the swamp really gets rocking yeah. and Utah gets kind of, uh, you know, shaking their boots a little bit. You ready for Saturday night? I'm ready for Saturday night. It, it's it's going to be uh, quite the event. I think between the excitement that we've seen for the sellout for this game already, they announced the sellout for LSU um, fans, definitely looking forward to the Napier era. We will kind of get into this matchup throughout today's show a little bit later. Um, we will preview Florida-Utah. Nick will make our picks. Uh, Nick and I will make our picks, but we will also kind of run through the season as well. We will give kind of some predictions on the year, um, focus on some specific players, some specific sides of the ball. Um, but we'll kind of save that for the end. Uh, we won't have a guest today because there's a lot to talk about. Uh we heard from Anthony Richardson this week for the first time uh, since SEC Media Days and the first time locally since the spring game. Um, so we'll talk to you guys about some of the things that he had to say. But I think to to start out, Nick, we got to dig into this depth chart. Mm -hmm. um, you put out your projections early in the week. Um, I think Florida fans appreciated that. And you kind of gave them a bit of a heads up of what was to come in terms of the pecking order at running back, and we'll give our takeaways from the depth chart here in this first segment, but um, I think that was one of the biggest ones is seeing Trevor Etienne mm -hmm. crack the depth chart uh, as a true freshman. Yeah. That, and you said it was coming. Yeah, yeah, I said that was coming. Um, it'll also be interesting to see if he's uh, a factor on, on in the return game, yeah. which Billy said he should be. Which is interesting because what he's 5'11, 217. That's a bowling ball yeah. uh returning kicks. Um him and Naquan are the same height too, five eight and a half. They look different. <laughs> <laughs> they look different. Um I, I think Florida is going to be a really run heavy team. If you look at UL last year, they had four guys with a hundred carries, if you include Levi Lewis, the quarterback. Um, I think that's what 
Gator fans should be expecting this year. So when I look at the the running back depth chart, the only one I would think is out of the loop in that sense then would be whoever was fourth string. Uh, I think Naquan's going to touch the ball a ton. I think Montreal Johnson, obviously, he had a uh, hundred carries last year as a freshman. They're probably most comfortable with him in terms of I think knowing Na- what he can do. I think, yeah, I think Naquan's probably your most uh he's your best back. your best back all around. He he's probably your best pass blocker. He's your best receiver as a running back. Missing um, the spring is what, you know, I think that might have maybe taken some carries away from Montreal had Naquan gone through all spring because mm-hmm. he didn't. Like that was Montreal's time to shine. Yeah. But um hats off to to Trevor Etienne because yeah. he wasn't here in the spring. He did enroll early. He was one of uh he two was. early enrollees in the summer. Um, but missed the spring and you immediately come in and in 20 practices, put yourself in a position to be a, a major contributor as a freshman. So uh hats off to him because you obviously had to to work your tail off. And uh Lorenzo Lingard, uh we'll we'll see if he Find school number three. I think he's got another year left or, or how he's going to handle this. He's He's been someone who at least publicly hasn't really bashed the coaches when he hasn't played. And he's always stayed. I mean, last year I remember watching him just like standing next to Dan Mullen with his head, with like holding his helmet. Like, Come on, coach. like I'm ready coach. I'm like, put me in. Um, so it, it, you don't like to see it for someone who's gone through, you know, the injuries he's gone through and, and as old as he is, but you're not buried. You're you're one injury away from from being second string. Yeah, and and I also think too. Um, we were talking about this before the show, but like, regardless of how that sh- you know sh- shook out, because they didn't have four running backs on the depth chart, so whoever was that fourth guy got left off. And had that been Lingard in the third spot, you know, there could have been some fans that took that as Trevor, maybe not. Um, coming in and being ready to challenge anybody for playing time on the, on the flip side, now that he has that leads some to believe is there something wrong with Lingard? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe there isn't. Um, Maybe this, this guy who's the younger brother of an NFL running back is just that good. Um, Maybe there is something, maybe there isn't. I think it says more about Trevor than it says about Lorenzo. Agreed. Because let's not forget Lorenzo Lingard was the number one pick in their regimen draft. Um, And I know that maybe is not a big deal to fans in the summer, but like at that point in their off season, the captains on the team viewed him as the guy Mm -hmm. that they wanted to pick to go through summer workouts. So clearly he had um, established a good reputation Mm -hmm. for himself within the staff and within this team. So I, I don't think that you can just completely count him out. I think it speaks more to obviously Naquan being a veteran and kind of the leader of that room, Montreal having history with this staff mm-hmm. and this offense, and then Trevor just being a standout true freshman. And from everything we've heard, he's got a chance to kind of make an impact in college like his brother had at Clemson. Mm-hmm. And you and I have both heard through the grapevines of what this guy's been doing in the scrimmages. And I remember after one of them talking to one of my sources, like that he may be, he might not be the best running back right now, but has all the tools to be the best out of the group. Um, And you even heard Anthony Richardson say when he met with the media on Wednesday, kind of hyped up Trevor and said, he's, you know, watched him break a few long runs in practice and has turned to people and say, that guy's about to be great. Um, 
So that was definitely one of the takeaways that we saw from the depth chart. Um, kind of pulling it up now. Obviously, no surprises at the quarterback position um, in terms of the starter. But um, as we kind of alluded to, Kyle Engel uh, in a battle, you know, for uh, the backup spot with Jack Miller out. Uh, we got one of the oars on the depth chart is uh, Jalen Kitna and Kyle Engel. So that's something to monitor. STA pride. STA pride, baby. Um, And then obviously not too many surprises on the offensive line. I I think uh, Jake Slaughter getting the backup center mm-hmm. spot. Um, that was a good thing to see. Um, Cameron Waits coming in and earning the uh, the backup left tackle role, uh, something else that, that stands out. And then, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out in the slot. Um, the usage of Pearsall, the usage of Whittemore, do both of them get on the field at any point? Um, that is another or that's there on the depth chart. I think Ricky is obviously your go-to guy in the slot, but um, – between his timeout and what Whittemore is the, the playing time that he's earned, that's kind of why that or is there in that slot spot. Yeah, and also Ricky being out, um, I, I think the world of Trent, but Florida has just carbon copies of the same type of player at receiver. Um, nothing against Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson, uh, Dede Reynolds. Like They're all the same type of receiver. Ricky Pearsall, Florida just didn't have a player like him. Mm-hmm. Um not to say that he is Kadarius Tony, but that kind of player, the guy that you're going to throw slants, little crossing routes to screens to, that's going to make people miss in space. Um, a guy that's going to get a bunch of yards after catch. Like Florida didn't have that. So without Pearsall, I think the notes that we got after the first scrimmage, a lot of that, but the defense winning one, the, the defense is going to be ahead early yeah. on Two, You probably took the, the offense's best weapon, not named Anthony Richardson away from the offense before the first scrimmage. So I think, um, after talking to people after that first scrimmage is when my mindset really changed about Ricky Pearsall and, and how important he's going to be yeah. for Florida uh, this season. And then no really surprise to me, at least at the tight end spot, but um, maybe somewhat with the backup situation. Um, but Dante Zanders officially named the starting tight end. Um, I think for you and I, it's not like we've been so close to the story that like I think it's almost been ex- expected for us. Mm-hmm. But like if you would have told us back in the spring at the start that this, he, was a, he was a defensive end at the start of spring that this is what it was going to come to, there's no way that I think any of us would have believed it. Um, and you know this is I mean honestly this was supposed to be Keon Zipper's time, and I, I think that he will obviously have a um, heavy involvement in this offense because there's going to be a lot of two tight end sets. Um, But right now it looks like those are the only two tight ends that they can count on, or at least that they've decided to put on the depth chart because it is just a two player, um, two players featured at tight end. Uh, No Nick Elksness, no Jonathan Odom. Uh, The freshman that they have um, didn't make the depth chart as well. So to me that like, I don't know what you thought, Nick, but I, I feel like the if you ended up on the depth chart, if you were included and they put your name down versus leaving you off, I think that, to me, sends a message that those are the players that the coaches feel like they can count on. And you're going to play. And, and that's you're what really said multiple times about we have rotational pieces and the, the starters, that's nice, but the there's a bunch of guys who aren't starters that are going to play a ton. Um, but I've I been view- really high on Elksness, so I'm I'm interested to see – what he's able to do um, given the fact that he was left off and he's in a new offense. now. Well, we'll see if I'm wrong about this, but I view 
Florida's tight end position under Billy Napier as like a sixth offensive line. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get um, a John Mackey award winner in, in this offense, uh, at least this year, um, sure. in the way I see things playing out. So, Unless you had Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then, then you change the offense. <laughs> the offense changes if you have Kyle Pitts. And it's how do we get that guy the ball? Um, but I think looking at those two guys, um, and, and especially they're going to play a lot of 12 personnel. And I think Xander's is the guy that has his hand in the dirt and, and is blocking and, and zip can kind of be more of the pass catching option. Um, but I don't think tight ends are going to be super heavily featured in terms of catching the ball in this offense. And that's what Elkins <laughs> does the best. He's a pass uh, catching tight end, no doubt about it. So, um, well, I missed the entire spring because of, because of the surgery. So, uh, you didn't get that time to learn how to do that. And certainly you weren't asked to do that in, in high school. No. You were asked to go up and catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what he did. So that's kind of the biggest takeaways from the offensive side. Um, moving over to the defensive side, as we expected, Princely Uman Milan, it's your starting defensive end, or one of them, should we say. Um, Jervon Dexter is your other one. He is listed as a as a DN on the depth chart. Um starting ahead of Tyreek Sapp and Chris Chris McClellan. And then nose tackle. A little bit of surprise there. Not with the starter, Jalen Lee, but the backup, uh, Desmond Watson. The surprise is his weight. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that he's earned the role. Because at the beginning of camp, it didn't look like he that 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 was going to happen. Well, he's gotten bigger since he's gotten to campus. And I remember... Uh, asking Dan Mullen as he was like walking off, I was like, "Hey, yeah, it was it was signing day, and they gave they gave us a sheet and it has everyone that signed their heights and their weights um, that they weighed them in at." And I saw Des was like three ninety five, and I was like, "There's no way." <laughs> and Dan goes, "What what would we have him listed?" I said, three ninety five. He's like, "Yeah, he weighed over four hundred when when he four forty. No, no, he said Dan Mullen. So this, oh, okay, this okay. is on signing day back when Dan Mullen. And Dan tells me he goes, "No, he weighed over four hundred. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> on the spring roster, he was four fifteen. On the spring this roster on, on, on online, and and now four forty, four thirty nine. Sorry, <laughs> I add, I added the pads, but I mean they are, despite you know his struggles trying to get his weight down. The coaching staff, uh, his position coach Sean Spencer, um, they've said that he can move and he can play and he can contribute. So the we're going to find me, out though, how is much. If you can move like he does at 440, how could you move at 380? Mm. And 380 is still big. That's still huge. You're still you're still a massive. Now you're Mount Cody. Yeah, but my biggest question is, uh, for me, huge question is, what is your depth inside? Mm-hmm. And, and I think Gervon Dexterlis said defensive end. I think he plays more of a, of a defensive tackle role. Um, what is your depth there? How many snaps can Desmond Watson give you on Saturday. Yeah. And Ty- seven and Tyreek Sapp is going to allow Dexter to slide inside. Yeah. You know, him breaking out more STA pride. Um, I think he's going to allow that flexibility uh, for Dex on the D line. Um, no surprise at the Jack position there. Mm-hmm. Um, nice to see Lloyd Summerall's updated weight two thirty one. Um, he has filled out as we've seen in camp uh, and in the spring. Uh, some surprises at linebacker, though. No doubt about it. Um, inside, should we say. Your starters, of course, Ventrell Miller and Mari Burney, but your backups, Scooby Williams, earns a uh, number two role behind Ventrell Miller. And as we've kind of alluded to and the coaches have hinted at in camp, Shamar James, true freshman, uh, 
is also earned a backup role behind Amari Bernie. So um, kind of good to see those young guys making a push. Yeah, and I think um, one of those guys we'll be talking about later when we start doing some predictions, but um, we've heard it early on about Shamar. And it reminded me, I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was Antonio Morrison. When Antonio Morrison showed up as a freshman from uh, you know Chicago, um, I think it was John Bosick was still there. Yeah. And they literally threw him and they were like, Hey, here's a leash. We've attached it to John's waist and you follow him <laughs> and you watch him do everything that he, that, that he does in practice. You just mimic it, just copy <laughs> that. And then Morrison had to play as a freshman. Yeah. Um, they're going to play James though. It's clear. Shamar James is going to play. And that's, and that's what they did. He, like he quickly was ahead of Derek Wingo in reps. Like he was right behind Bernie and right behind Miller. And it was clear um, that the coaches wanted him to be ready yeah. and to, Hey, look, these are the, these, here's guys that have 11 years of college football experience between them. Follow them. They're going to show you what you need to do to get yourself ready. Cause we're going to need you in the fall. And I think everything we heard all throughout fall camp. And then on the depth chart is, is you know, just showing what we heard off all through fall camp, which true is that Shamar James is a guy as a freshman that's going to play a lot. Um, the star position is still called the star in this scheme and uh, still the same same starter there with Travez Johnson, although he will mix and match at times between nickel and safety. Um, you'll see some different combinations there. Um, no surprise with the starting safeties, but one thing that we kind of had an eye on in camp with Jason Marshall out was who was going to lock down that other cornerback role opposite Marshall. And um, at least heading into game one, that job has gone to Avery Helm. So um which is kind of what we we'd seen at practice. Yeah, you know, I thought that um you know, obviously they they worked Devin Moore in a lot early on in camp, gave him some first team reps. I think that there's a chance by the end of the year that he could be starting. Um he's just not there yet. I thought that there was a chance that uh, also um Jordan Young based on some of the things that we'd heard mm -hmm. could potentially earn that role, but Avery Helm is um I think you kind of just look at the rest of those guys. He he actually probably is the most experienced, um, has gotten the most starting experience. Yeah. And um, they have some options there, though. So I, I think that there's going to be a healthy rotation. Uh, a lot of rotation. I mean, you're going to get 60 Bs on the on the field at one time. There's going to be a lot of rotation at, uh, at cornerback, and, and I think it's safety as well. Yeah, Kamari Wilson. He uh, also earned a backup role um, behind Rashad Torrance. And we heard from Trevez Johnson on Wednesday who said, um, Kamari's going to make an impact. Yeah. And uh, they've kind of felt that way from the moment that he arrived on campus in the spring. So uh, that's where Florida's depth chart is at. Um, it's a work in progress, though. Nothing finalized. Uh, Jeremy Crawshaw is the starting punter. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Crawshaw's starting punter. I forget the punters. Um, I was and, leaving and, it for you. And we got one more or. We one do have or another or. Kicker. Um, that's one thing. It, it, and I almost feel like like the nerd because I'm the only one I think that's interested in it. But no one's going to care about the kicker until you miss a field goal and you lose a game because of it. Yes. So you've got Adam Mihalek, who is it changes a, the game. It, see, game changers. Um, Adam Mihalek, who is a uh, redshirt freshman, I think, uh, walk on, and Trey Smack, who is a true freshman scholarship kicker. Uh, no, no telling who's going to try that first field goal or that first extra point. Uh, or who was going to kick off? Yeah, we asked Jeremy Crawshaw if he was going to kick off. He said, uh, "Hasn't figured out the swing yet." Yeah, I, and then in terms of the returners, um, 
at least the guy listed, um, there might not be much changes there. Uh, Jamarcus Wesson listed as one of the starting kick returners. He was back returning kicks last season. And then the starting punt returner is still Xavier Henderson. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we'll see if we get some new blood back there potentially. Um, not crazy about having Naquan Wright on kickoff return. Just why? You yeah, know, yeah, you got a lot of backs. I mean, you know, he's listed as one of the options. Um, to me, I, I, I say you put Trevor back there and let him do his thing. Um, Bowling ball. But the one thing that we know now, fans aren't going to be calling for Finley Graham anymore. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to hear those pleas. Um, he's off now to FAU. So that's hey, where Florida is. Marcus Bowman was fourth on UCF's uh, depth chart at running back. I answered 8,000 questions about him last there year. There you go. There you go. There's your sign. Um, so that's where things stand. Um, Billy has made it clear that there's going to be some continuous competition throughout the season. Some of these spots will change throughout the year. Um, but I think now we have a good idea of who their key players are, who they're counting on, and who who could kind of show up in the rotation. Um, but Billy did say on the SEC teleconference that this is one of their philosophies as a staff, that they're going to play a lot of young players, um, that once they feel like a guy has shown them that that they can count on him and they can trust him, that he earns that right to play. Um, and I think that from a recruiting standpoint, um, this is obviously going to help, and we'll get to some of that. Uh, later on the show but we're going to jump to this first break when we come back on the other side we're going to get into our season preview look at this utah matchup and kind of go through florida's schedule and give you guys some players to watch this season hi steve spurrier here you know making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a saturday afternoon homecoming game against vandy you don't have to call or email just go to spurriers.com hit the reservation button pick a date number of guests and a time it's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Gator Nation, football is back, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money, daily fantasy sports, and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. It's the best way to have live action on the game in states like Alabama, Florida, Texas, Kentucky, Georgia, and over 70% of the United States. Prize Picks is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. You simply select two to five players, predict if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. Download the PrizePix app or visit prizepix.com and sign up using the code GATERS to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. That's free money, people. So if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget the PrizePix app. Or prizepicks.com and the code GATERS to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your team to the next level this season. Welcome back into the Gators Online podcast. Zach and Nick here. And now we're going to switch gears and start to preview this 2022 season. Uh, obviously, the week one matchup, but we'll start with uh, players that we want to highlight and some expectations that we have for both sides of the ball. Um, 
of course, start with team MVP um, and kind of our preseason pick for that guy. Um, I think some obvious choices, um, but uh, Nick, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm going with the obvious choice. I'm going with Anthony Richardson. Um, my, my thought on Florida and their success in this season is so tied into Anthony Richardson. Like I think if we'll knock on wood, I think if Anthony Richardson goes down in the first quarter against Utah, it's bad news the rest of the year. Yeah. Like you'll, you'll figure some stuff out, but you're a completely different team without Anthony Richardson. Um, and you can say that for a lot of teams across the country. If their starting quarterback goes down, you're in trouble. Um, but for me, Anthony Richardson, what he can bring to Florida's offense and how he changes Florida's offense compared to the rest of the quarterbacks on the roster. Um, he, to me is the, the, the easy pick and it's any other person that I would have picked if I took them out. I don't think it's as detrimental to the sure. season as Anthony Richardson would be. Yeah. I mean, I'm tempted to go with, um, Ventrell Miller there. He's to me is the only guy that I can justify. Um, but to your point, something happens to 51. Um, yes, it, it, it will hurt the defense a lot, but it will not cripple them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they lose Anthony Richardson, that offense is going to take a humongous step back. So um, from that standpoint, he's definitely the team MVP. And I also just think, um, Oh gosh. I just think from like a a confidence and swagger standpoint and just like the vibe that he's created in that locker room. Um I think that he has a totally different role in this on, on this team than he did last year. I mean, last year he was in he was kind of in the cut. He's, you know, taking a backseat to Emory Jones. He's not trying to ruffle any feathers. Everybody is calling for him to play and start. And he's just like, just trying to do my job and just trying to contribute and just be that spark on offense. Whereas like now he is the guy, he's not a role player. He's the role model. Mm-hmm. And I think him, um, not only taking that role, but I think embracing it, um, kind of finding himself and finding his leadership qualities. I think it's going to be a difference. I, I think that he's going to be a better leader than you know the previous starter i think that he's um you know gonna affect his teammates in a more positive way um so and i I think from that standpoint that's why he kind of brings so much value um to this team breakout player um obviously some guys that we're looking um to kind of make a move this year um maybe that haven't been as um involved in the past um what are you thinking nick um, I, I, I'm going to go with, uh, not Trevor, who we talked about a bunch. I'm going to go with Shamar James. And, and I think if you look at Amari Bernie, he's had some injury issues. He says he's fine now, but had some injury ish, injury issues in fall camp. Ventrell's a guy, uh, who missed all of last year. He's had some injury issues and it's clear that Patrick, Tony and, and, and Bateman want, Shamar James to be an impact. And I think he's going to get a bunch of opportunities to show uh, how good he is and, and how ready he is. So he, he's going to be my impact freshman. Well, I, we went with breakout player. So I'm not going freshman yet. I'm okay. just talking a non-freshman game. You can go with him. I'm going to go with him. I'll, I'll stay. I'll stay. Um, I'm going to go for a breakout player, kind of obvious. Um, but I have to go Ricky. Pretty Ricky. Um, I, I think that he's the guy – that has to break out um, 
for this offense to kind of not only take it to another level, but also for this team to achieve the type of success that it wants to have. Um, if they're going to do more than, you know, just improve their um, record, but maybe try to contend in the East um, or just show some positive signs for the future, he's going to be that guy that I think takes that offense to the next level. Um, definitely disappointing that he missed some time in camp for this team. Um, Anthony basically admitted that, yo, that threw off some of our chemistry, mm-hmm. chemistry some of our timing. Um, he did he did give credit to the other receivers for stepping up in Pearsall's absence, but he also said that they've been taking time after practice to get extra work in now that he's healthy again so that they can get their timing and their rhythm and sync. Um, I, I just think that he's he's the guy that's going to, you know, if, if you would not have had him this year, um, they definitely would have been a run-heavy team, and I still think they will be. But he's going to kind of change that dynamic and and, and bring some new things um, to the offense. So he he's my pick for breakout candidate. Um, we went best freshman as our next category. You already gave your pick somewhat, but give me another freshman that you that you think um, is going to make some noise this year outside of Shamar. Outside of Shamar. Um... I'll throw two out there. I think Devin Moore, and you kind of touched on it. I think he's a guy who I think I, when I was on the show uh, with JD Pakel earlier this week, uh, Twitter Spaces with him, I said I, I don't know if he's going to start Game One, which we, we see now that he's not. Um, but he's a guy that is a starter, a, a future yeah. starter. Um, I think Devin Moore is a guy, and, and Avery Helms had some injury issues. He had an ACL. Um, Jason Marshall dealt with a hamstring all, all fall. Um, so Devin Moore is going to get a chance to be that guy. And then I think my, my best freshman though, I will say it will be Trevor Etienne. You're just going to have in this offense, you're just going to have so many guys getting an opportunity to carry the ball. Um, and the staff raves about him. So I think he's going to get probably the most opportunity of any freshman. Um, and then I'm banking on him taking advantage of that. Yeah. This one's tough. Um, I think the top three choices are obviously James Etienne, um, and more, um, I think that more probably has the best chance to start as a freshman mm-hmm. at this point, at some point in the season. Yeah. Um, I don't see that happening for Trevor, even though he'll be heavily involved. Um, and I don't see James starting over Amari mm-hmm. or Ventrell. So I think Devin's got a chance to actually start, um, just to mix it up and give you guys another name to watch for a guy that I've heard really, really, really positive things about out of camp. Um, is Miguel Mitchell. Mm. Now, he's listed on the depth chart as a safety, but he's also played the nickel some. Uh, and I think that he will just be a rotational player. Um, he's not going to have the same impact maybe as those other guys, but I think that he's going to show some flashes in 2022 when he gets on the field um, that fans will, he'll be a, a guy that fans want to watch for, for the future. So um from a freshman standpoint, those are the names that kind of jump out to us um, heading into the season. And then, um, all right, these, these are some fun categories. Um, over, under, on rush yards for Anthony Richardson. Now, over 100 carries for Levi Lewis last year. At right at 100. Right at 100. Um, but only, what, over 500 yards? I think it was like six. Um, okay. What are you putting? Let's go seven for a, for AR. Are you 
taking the over or the under on 700 rushing yards this season. Um, and now keep in mind, we just talked to him yesterday about, and you wrote about him sliding, sliding protecting himself. Um, you told him he should go over to Condren Ballpark and <laughs> get some tips. Um, but what are we thinking for his yard yardage production on the ground? I'm going to go under just because I think that's that's the right number. Um, I think between 600, 700 it, it is the right number. If you look at his rushing stats from last year, a lot of that came from an 80-yard touchdown run, an 85-yard touchdown run. Um, I mean, I can look foolish, a couple of those, and he's already you know a, a third of the way there. Um, but I, I'm going to go under, but right around that 600, 650 mark. I couldn't disagree more. Couldn't disagree more, Nick. Okay. Um, I'm going over. Mm-hmm. Um, I just keep going back to, and I know it's a different offense. Emory Jones had 759 rushing yards last year. 759 rushing yards for Emory Jones. Emory Jones is not Anthony Richardson. <laughs> and I think that. Anthony's ability in the run game, his usage, and some of the game-changing uh, plays that he can make is going to allow them to get out. I, I even think the guy could hit 1K. Is he your leading rusher in terms of carries? Because last year um, I predicted that Emory Jones would lead Florida in carries, knowing that offense and, and how that and how Dan was going to run. He had 143 last year. Leading rusher. Emory Jones. Leading rusher. Is Anthony Richardson the leading rusher in terms of carries, not yards? That I don't think he will be. So you're saying he's going to be the second or third in terms of carries, but has a chance to have a thousand yards rushing. Well, I think they could have multiple thousand yard rushers. Okay. Um, now I'm not necessarily expecting that. I'm expecting over seven. I'm expecting him to have more rushing yards than Emory Joan had last season. Okay. Um, do I like, Depending on how good this rushing game and this rushing attack is, um, and and how willing they are to let him run, I mean, I think he could hit a thousand. Wouldn't be the first. Um, so that'll be interesting. Be the first thousand yard rusher since Kelvin Taylor, who carried the ball like eight. I'm, I'm talking about he wouldn't be the first uh, quarterback in college football to have a no. thousand yard rushing season. I think he's definitely capable. I think what will maybe keep him from doing that is him protecting himself. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I, he's not going to have, any, I doubt at least, you know, any plays where he's jumping over somebody um, this year. No more backflips. No, no, no more backflips. Um, well, that leads us into our next category. Um, who will be Florida's leading rusher? And what is your over under on um, how the running backs are, uh, the running back carries could be split up. Um, do you see two guys getting a hundred carries? Do you see, um, and who do you see leading the pack in terms of the rushing yards? Um, I, I think Anthony Richardson will be your second leading rusher. I think Montreal Johnson will probably be the, in terms of the yards, the leading rusher. I think this is a Florida offense that could have up to four guys with a hundred carries similar to UL last year. I think Naquan, Montrell, I would sharpie them in for 100 carries this year. I think AR could have 100 carries this year. Um, it's going to need to have 100 carries. But also, you, you, 
a, a carry gets factored in. Okay, it was a pass play, and he scrambled, and that so that wasn't a called run, but it becomes going to have a lot of those. But it, become, but it becomes a run, um, and I think you could get a fourth hundred yard, a, a fourth guy with a hundred carries. But I think it'll be uh, Montreal Johnson. I think will probably end up leading. And I hate to do it to my guy Nacorn, friend of the show. <laughs> um, but I, I think it'll be Montreal Johnson with <clears throat> the most carries on the team, followed by um, AR, then Naquan. I'm going to go Naquan. I think um, I think hearing from Trevez, Trevez mentioned Naquan several times yesterday off to the side. Like, He's got that new number. Five's back. Five's back. Um, he, he, he singled out Naquan as one of the – game-breaking players on offense um, in the context of talking about Ricky. He was asked about Ricky and said Ricky basically changes this offense and then said he's one of those – he's one of our those guys. And then he said it was him, it was AR, and it was Naquan. And then he mentioned Naquan again. Um, I just think that he's um, – this is his time. Um, I think Montreal is going to be right there. They could – finish very similar in terms of their rushing production um, and their amount of carries that they get. Um, but I think it's going to be a healthy rotation. And between what you have and those two are clearly your top backs, Trevor obviously coming in uh, with Lingard and then the amount of rushing production that Richardson's going to provide. So um, it's going to be a healthy rushing attack. Um, I do think Naquan's going to lead it. Um and I'm with you. They're, they're, they could have multiple guys that end up with uh, 100 carries, including AR. Um, leading receiver for the Gators on offense. Who you got, Nicholas? Slick Rick. Pretty Ricky. That's going to be my leading receiver, I think, in catches and in yards. Okay. Okay. I, I think somebody maybe can end up with more. I think he'll definitely be the leading receiver, receiver in terms of yards. Um you know, could Shorter or Whittemore potentially get up there in terms of catches? I think those would be my two candidates um, to challenge him, but I'm with you. I, I think that Ricky is going to be the go-to guy, and honestly, more than anything, I mean, he's going to be able to get open better than anybody else. And and just the, the uh, things that they draw up for him, uh, especially once that run game gets going and that read option gets going and they get multiple back sets – um, that's going to draw a lot of attention from the defense, and I think that's going to uh, open up some things for Ricky. So I'll go with him. I think your second leading receiver, though, uh, I'll go with Shorter. I think he's going to uh, have a good year in this offense. Um, second leading tackler. Because <laughs> we know said, the first... said leading tackler, we're both going 51. Yeah, so who's your second leading tackler, Nick? Um... I hate to do it, but I'm going to go with a safety, a fan favorite, Trey Dean the third. Whoa! Now, what did he have? He had like 89 yeah, tackles last year. So he, he uh, finished second on the team last listen, year. You don't love when a safety is leading the team in tackles, um, but I think that would be your your second leading tackler behind Ventrell. Also, I think Ventrell, when you get like senior linebackers, um, the people who keep track of stats like work for the teams. I remember like Antonio Morrison, if he was in the neighborhood of a tackle, they were like, yo, give him a half. <laughs> and then those halves start adding up. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden at the end of the year, you look down, you're like, he had 150 tackles. Like when, when did that happen? Or you look down at the end of a game, you're like 23. Really? 
Um, so he, he, he kind of gets that that's that that senior bump a little bit. He's sending shots at you, Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he gets that senior bump. You know, Ventrell's in the vicinity of a tackle. I think he gets a half. He gets a, cre- a credit. Uh, I'll go. Um, I'll stick with the safeties. I'll go Rashad Torrance, though. Um, I think he'll be the guy to to, to uh, have cleanup duty a lot this season, and I think he's going to have a big year. Um, I think he's going to provide some stability to that secondary, and um, I honestly think or expect all the DBs to look better playing under Patrick Tony and playing in this scheme. Um, but tackling is going to be key. I asked. Billy about it yesterday. I asked the players about it. Um, we're going to find out on Saturday yeah. how, much, how much they've improved. Find out quick. And speaking of Saturday, time to get into our predictions. Um, we'll start with the, the game one, and then we'll run through the schedule. Um, you guys can tell us how much we got it wrong or how much we got it right, depending on how you like our picks. Don't think it's going to be a fan favorite segment. No, I don't think it will be. Um all right, let's start with game one, Nick. Utah favored by two and a half? Two and a half. I think um, it's up to three on some books, but two and a half, three. Over-unders in the 55-ish range, 52-ish range, something like that. Um, we're not going to give you guys a score, but we will give you a result. Nick, take us away. Negative Nick. Yeah, and um, to me... Listen, the heat, humidity, the the swamp being sold out. I think it's going to be a, a a a really cool environment. I'm looking forward to it. I was on a bunch of radio shows out in Salt Lake, and one of them asked me, "What is it? Why do people keep talking about this environment?" <clears throat> and I was like, "Listen, here in the South, college football is a religion, and you go to church every Saturday night." And I said, "You're going to have a bunch of people who started drinking at 8 a.m." And walk into that stadium at 6.30, ready, ready to, to go to church. Um, and it's going to be a crazy environment. And you can't discount that. You can't discount the swamp. And I brought up the, earlier, Utah didn't do a ton of hitting, didn't do a ton of 11 on 11. Does that cause a slow start? Can Florida take advantage of that? Um, at the end of the day, I think you've got a coach who spent 18 years building a program. This team returns 17 starters from, from a, a Pac-12 champion. Um, including a thousand yard rusher, including a, a quarterback. I think Utah is going to be able to run the football on Florida. Um, there's still too many question marks, which they're always going to be with a first year head coach. Um, but I'm picking Utah, uh, to, to win the first game of the season. There's just not those question marks on Utah's side, Mm-mm. right? Like the that, only question mark I really have about Utah is do they start slow? But in terms of personnel, in terms of scheme, in terms of where is this program at? Like, those are all things Florida's figuring out and Utah has figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much that we don't know about how this offense is going to look, how this defense is going to look, um, how the players are going to fit into these schemes. Um, and, and and whether all that is going to be, is going to look really good. Um, it might not game one yeah. against the top 10 opponent. And, it, and there's going to be some growing pains there. Um, and some some kinks that they got to work through. And unfortunately for Florida, they're not getting Eastern Washington to open the season. They're getting the defending Pac-12 champs who returned 17 starters. And yes, this is a really, really difficult environment for them to come into. And if they end up losing this game, I think that's going to have a big factor. Um, but it's just hard for me 
with so many unknowns and so many for Florida and so many knowns for Utah to feel like they're not going to come in uh, and get that win. I do think it's going to be a competitive game. I think Florida will show some things and make some plays that has the fan base feeling good about the team coming out of the game. Um, I, I mean, if Utah comes in and just puts it on Florida, I will be surprised because mm-hmm. I because I do think that Florida, um, <laughs> based on the way that they've gone through their offseason and some of their stuff with Mark Hockey, like I think that they've improved from a physicality standpoint, and that's going to show up. Um, I just think there's too much newness, too much moving parts um, for them to come out victorious. But um, that's where we stand. We'll see if Florida proves us wrong. Hey, this could be like the Ole Miss game where nobody gave Florida a shot. And I know Florida fans are, are a lot of the fans I see talking. They're very, uh, very confident about this game. Um, but I can tell you that the the thought that the Pac-12 is a finesse conference, that might be true. This is not a finesse Utah team that's coming in into, into Gainesville. These, no. these guys hit. These guys are big. They're physical. Um, but it could be Robert Kimdichie didn't do, didn't do a thing in Gainesville. No. Um, no. it could be a breakout game for Anthony Richardson that starts, uh, you know, a, a Heisman campaign. You, you come in and your second start, your first ever start at home, uh, which is something we haven't even really talked yeah. about. It's his first, first start in the swamp. Um, and you beat number seven. Now, now try to slow down the hype train for Anthony Richardson. And I can talk myself into the pick. I mean, you got Brenton Cox Jr., the healthiest he's ever been. You got Ventro Miller back from season-ending injury. You got Jervon Dexter in the best shape of his life and now ready to have a breakout year. I mean, just those three right there um, could make a huge difference defensively. Um, and then I think in the secondary, if that unit is very improved uh, under Patrick Tony, um, that could I think obviously that could help them win on Saturday. But we're going to find out. We're going to jump to this uh, last break when we come back on the other side. Nick and I will run through Florida's schedule, give our uh, rapid-fire predictions on the record for 2022, and then uh, we'll close with some recruiting and let you guys know all the uh, big-time targets that are coming to Gainesville this weekend. Looking for more reasons to celebrate? We have them here at Celebration Point. Enjoy some of the newest additions to our already celebratory lineup, like Dave & Buster's, Le Macaron, and Prime & Pearl. There's always a reason to celebrate. Join us anytime for any occasion. Celebration Point, where Gators come to celebrate. Welcome back into the Gators Online podcast. Uh, had fun in that last segment, kind of given our outlook on the 2022 season, but now we're going to go game by game. We've already given you our picks uh, for week one. Let's go to week two, Nick. SEC opener in the swamp against Kentucky. Um, obviously, it'll be interesting to see where the Gators are at coming off of week one, depending on a win or a loss. But if it is a loss, like we're predicting, man, I don't think you can afford to lose to Kentucky in week two, man. You got to find a way to win that game if you can't beat Utah. Uh, it would be. I, I don't I don't I don't know I, I I'm gonna call in some PTO. Um, <laughs> don't know if I want to be on the message boards or on social media if if Billy Napier's tenure starts with two home losses. But that's not what I'm predicting. Um, I'm not buying on Will Levis. I think uh, the devil works hard, uh, but whoever Will Will Levis's publicist is works harder. Like this is not a 
top 10 NFL pick like everyone's talking about. I think he's a good quarterback. He won't be the best quarterback on the field when he no, comes he to Gainesville. Um, and I think Florida doesn't lose Kentucky two years in a row. Wow, the damn Mullen lost Kentucky twice in four years. And the previous five coaches had not managed to do that once in the previous 31 years. Yeah. We, we Speaking of Dan Mullen, we can get into some of his picks, too, at the end of this segment. Um, <laughs> definitely got some of the Florida faithful upset with his tweets uh, on Wednesday. Or actually, no, he fired them off this morning. Excuse me. Um, I'm with you, too. Florida's not going to have 16,000 false starts in the swamp. And they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot and they'll have more yards. Give the game to Kentucky. Um, I think that they'll um, be a motivated team. Uh, and I, I think coming off of a week one loss, they're going to come in there um, desperate to get a win. And I also think that I'm with you. I, I'm just, I know some folks are uh, bullish on Kentucky, like Chris Doring, but I just think coming into the swamp week two, um, I don't think that they should have beat Florida last year, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the Gators are going to be able to get that that W. Week three, another uh, home game and another matchup against USF after traveling to Tampa last year. Um, easy win, right? That's Nick? a W. Easy win. Um, week four, our first road trip. We go to Knoxville to watch the Gators take on Tennessee. Um one of the few SEC games that the Gators were able to win last season. Um, Gators have obviously dominated this rivalry as of late. Um, do they continue to do it in Rocky Top, Nick? Yeah, I got them winning. Um, I think Hendon Hooker is a better quarterback than Will Levis, even though not, not being like ranked there yet. Um, but I've seen this story before. Like this, <laughs> this is this is what happens with Tennessee. They play Florida and they lose early. Then they play Alabama the next month. They lose and then they get. Vanderbilt and they get the easy part of their schedule. Their schedule is always front loaded. So Tennessee starts off two and six and then reels off four wins at the end of the year to get to a bowl game and then win the, win a bowl game. And, and then the Tennessee offseason hype train starts. Uh, I'm not buying on it. So I've got Florida beating Tennessee and that's a three and one start. Yeah, I'm tempted to pick the Vols. Um, this is definitely one of the games where I think uh, Florida could trip up this year. Uh, first road trip first sec road trip first time billy napier and his staff take this team on the road have to deal with all that Neyland stadium is a difficult place to play um regardless of how talented tennessee is um no time yet announced on that game but could be a night game um i think that will be challenging if it is um but looking at this schedule, looking at the, these two teams um, and, and where I think Florida is going to be and where I think Tennessee is going to be, um, I will give the edge to the Gators. I think that this is a 50-50 game, though. I think it could go either way. Um, but tentatively, a pick for Florida. Um, and also a pick for Florida the following week against Eastern Washington. No need to talk about that. Um, and then we got October 8th, homecoming against the Mizzou Tigers and Eli Drinkwitz. No Darth Vader talk or uh, Star Wars talk, I think, for this matchup. Hopefully not. Actually, that was fun. And that was obviously what did Dan Mullen in or part of it. Among things. Among among, among some other things. Um, I I think I've got Florida winning at home, homecoming um, against Missouri. I do, too. Um, 
Another 50, 50 game for me is the following week against LSU, a sold-out game in the Swamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Petty Day as well uh, for when the Gators debuted uh, that song against the Tigers. What was that, 2017? I think it was. or 2016 or 17. 16, yeah. Um, it would have to be 16 because uh, that's an even year. It would be a home game. Two first-year head coaches. You got the Billy and LSU storyline. And all that went into there with him coming from Louisiana. Um, Billy will never say that this game means more, but I think it. I think it will. I, I don't think if LSU had offered Billy, I don't think he's the coach of Florida. Agreed. I think this is a game that is circled for him. And listen, Florida. I, I've been saying all off season. I'm like, I've got three losses, and then I Florida lo- finds a way to lose another game. Like they find, like just historically, they find a way to lose to South Carolina last year. They find a way to lose to Missouri, and you throw in an extra one. Um, I think you know this is not a game where. Uh, He'll be sitting Kyle Pitts to get him some rest. I think mm-hmm. Billy's got LSU circled, and uh, I think this is, for me, a 50-50 game. I almost lean more towards LSU, um, but I'm going to pick Florida here. I'm just not sure how good the Tigers are going to be, um, and I'll feel probably different about this game. By the time I think they're going to wax Florida State on Sunday. I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> uh, get the water guns out, Nick. <laughs> uh, and then bye week and the big one. Florida, Georgia. I'm going Georgia. This is a really tough month. A really tough stretch here for Florida. Um, yeah, Georgia. Easy. Going Georgia. It's not even I beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. Um I think Florida wins at Tennessee or at Texas AM. I think they're gonna get one of those wins. I think Tennessee is more likely. So that's my pick. Um, and I got an L for the Gators. In College Station, but I do think that um, they've got a chance to win that game. I'm, I'm not buying the Aggies. I'm not buying the Aggies, but I'm buying College Station. I'm buying going there the week after Georgia. What does Florida look like after Me- that? Yeah, where mentally, they mentally, physically. Yeah. Um, so I've got back-to-back losses there. Yeah, that's um, that's my fourth loss for Florida. Um, like Nick said. Could they find a way to to win that game and then trip up in another game along the way that they're supposed to win? Um, I think that's possible. I think it's possible probably in this next matchup um, with South Carolina. That's a real wild card game. Um, I think it could be another 50-50 game depending on what Spencer Rattler looks like um, and how good the Gamecocks are. Obviously, they put it on Florida last year in Columbia, but that – I mean that team. Was uh, that team was out that team was checked out. The staff was checked out. Everyone knew that Mullen's days were numbered. Um, this is going to be a totally different dynamic going into. And you got the Gamecocks at home, so I got Florida winning that game. I'm, I'm like sitting here and hours and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, dang, I have them going nine and three. I haven't picked them nine and three at all. Uh, so I'm off somewhere. But I guess I'm not negative Nick today. But I got Florida beating South Carolina. Spencer Rattler is the key there. I mean, he torched Florida. In the Cotton Bowl, uh, which, you know, we can make the excuse that Florida didn't want to be in the Cotton Bowl, but, hey, uh, have some pride. (laughs) Spencer Rattler wanted to be there. Um, So I think he's the key for me. How does he look? Um, How does he look in in Beamer's offense? And and has he how has he led the Gamecocks to that, what, November matchup? Yeah. I'm going to go South Carolina here. I think that – I think that this – to me, this is my – game that I think Florida slips up. 
Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, coming off what I what I'm expecting, um, which is which is back to back losses to Georgia and A and M. I, I just think that that's you think that's going to be a confidence thing. killer. Yeah. Um, and I and I just I think that South Carolina is going to be better than people expect, or at the very least, I think that they're going to be dangerous with Spencer Rattler. Um, and that's where that's right now where I'm picking Florida to have its fourth loss. Um, got them winning at Vandy. Can't wait for that trip. Loving that trip. But yeah, that's a, that's a W2. <laughs> um, and then they close the season at Florida State against the Seminoles. On my birthday. On your birthday. Um, and I think uh, Napier gets it done against Norvell. So I got the Gators going eight and four. I think I had nine and three. But you had nine and three. I have I haven't predicted Nick even. negative Nick with the bet with the better record prediction than me. Yeah. Um. So I think fans won't be happy about my South Carolina pick, but no. Gotta mix it up. No, but I mean, I could I could also easily see. So I had them going three and one in the first month. I could see two and two easy. You know, a trip up in Knoxville or, God forbid, an own two start. Um. Yeah, when was the last time a coach started zero two in the swamp? Um, you got you have to go at least two and two in that first month. Yeah. So that's obviously how we see things. Um, we'll watch how it plays out. The Gators are going to have a uh, big weekend, obviously, with uh, number seven Utah coming to town. Make sure if you haven't already that you're taking uh, advantage of a promo offer that we have at Gators Online this week. Uh, and this week only, you can get 50% off of an annual uh, subscription. And between Nick and I covering the team, Corey and Donovan staying on top of the recruiting coverage, um, all the things that we have from within the network, network, this is definitely the time for you guys to subscribe. And if you're keeping track of all, all of uh, Corey's work, you know that this is a big recruiting weekend Huge. for the Gators. I'm not going to run through this entire list. Um, that you can see right now on our Gators Online message board. But some headliners, obviously, Cormani McLean, um, Dijon Johnson will be in town. They got a uh, top 50 running back, Stacey Gage, expected to be in town. Uh, just countless top 100 prospects from the 2024 class. On September 1st at midnight, those guys could be contacted uh, by college coaches. So you saw the Florida staff. Uh, burning the midnight oil yeah. and um, reaching out to all those prospects. So kind of leading into this weekend and all these guys that they expect on campus. So make sure that you stay locked with Gators online for all of the coverage of the game from Nick and I and Pat O'Donnell and all of the recruiting uh, updates from Corey and Nick, or excuse me, Corey and Donovan. Uh, we will all be busy as a team this weekend. And, uh, but we're happy, man. This is, this is our time of the year. Yeah, buddy. Um, so Hopefully the next time you guys see me, I'll have some of that on three swag that Nick is rocking and um, enjoy the season. Enjoy the game. If you're coming to Gainesville and uh, we'll be back with you guys next week to recap game one and lead you into the SEC opener against Kentucky for Nick Del Torre. I'm Zach Albaver. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first 
$5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 43342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.